Hello. Welcome to this, the second of our Pensions 22 podcasts. This is a series of podcasts designed to help trustees and employers navigate the key issues which are likely to arise during 2022. I'm Jonathan Hazlett, Partner and Head of Pensions at Osborne Clark. I'm joined by Jennifer Aldridge, our Training and Knowledge Lawyer. And today we're going to look at the new requirement for pension scheme trustees to have an effective system of governance, or ESOG for short. This podcast is supported by an interactive PDF, which is available from Osborne Clark. Members of the OC team can also help you with training. So please do contact me or your usual OC contact if you would like any further information. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for joining me today. Um, could you start by telling us what the new ESOG requirements are? Of course. So the law now requires pension scheme trustees to set up and operate an effective system of governance, including internal controls, or as you said, ESOG for short. And this system of governance has to be proportionate to the size, nature, scale and complexity of the scheme's activities. And the ESOG requirement replaces the old internal controls requirement the trustees are already familiar with. Okay, you used a couple of phrases there, system of governance, internal controls. What do they mean? Well, system of governance is a generic term that catches anything to do with the way that a pension scheme is managed or operated, whereas internal controls has a specific legal meaning, and it means the systems, arrangements and procedures that trustees have to put in place for the effective administration and management of the scheme. It also includes safe custody and security of scheme assets. And the idea, of course, is to make sure that a pension scheme is run in line with its trustee and rules and all of the relevant legal requirements. But it's also about making sure that a scheme is run in a way that identifies and manages risks and so protects the scheme's key functions, systems and assets. To look at it another way, the trustee's most important duty is to pay the right benefits to the right member at the right time. And governance and internal controls support that duty. That's great. Thank you for that helpful introduction. Um, so where does this new requirement for an ESOG come from? Well, it has its roots in European law, but it's been brought into UK law by a set of regulations. And those regulations were made in 2018 and started to apply in 2019. However, because of the way they're written, trustees won't actually have to demonstrate that they're complying with the ESOG requirement until the pensions regulator has issued a code of practice setting out what it expects. And when are we expecting the regulator to issue that code of practice? Well, the pensions regulator has taken the opportunity to simplify its existing codes of practice and replace them all with a single combined code. And in terms of timing, the regulator consulted on a draft of that new single code, including all of the ESOG requirements last year. And we're expecting a final version to come into force this summer. So does that mean that trustees don't have to comply with ESOG until the summer of this year? Yes, that's true, but we do suggest that trustees start to prepare now. And what sort of things do you think trustees could be doing to start preparing? Well, ESOL is going to change the landscape, um, so all trustees are going to need to review their policies, procedures and controls in a number of key areas. So, uh, you know, some examples of new policies and procedures they're likely to need to adopt are business continuity plans, both for themselves and for their advisors and service providers and also something called an ESOG review policy. And that's basically a policy that fits with a new requirement for all trustees to review each element of their ESOG at least once every three years. And the aim of that review is to see if each part of the ESOG is functioning as it should be or whether it needs to be changed. 
And on top of that, there are a series of additional requirements that will apply to schemes with 100 members or more. And these include having a risk management function and policy, having an internal audit function and policy, having an outsourcing policy. Uh, so that's a policy relating to the use of advisors, including the scheme actuary and service providers, and also having a remuneration policy. And schemes with 100 members or more are also going to regularly have to carry out an aura or own risk assessment. Now for schemes with less than 100 members, these additional requirements are going to be best practice, but the trustees still need to consider them. So it seems that there's quite a lot of work to do, even for those trustees who've got sophisticated government arrangements already in place. Yes, uh, this is basically a chance to review your existing arrangements, but there are also new requirements to get to grips with and trustees shouldn't underestimate the amount of time they're going to need to do that. Now, earlier on, you mentioned the AURA. Now, I've heard a lot about this acronym. Um, can you tell me what it is? Yes, of course. Um, the pensions regulator describes the aura or own risk assessment as an assessment of how well government systems are working and the way that potential risks are managed. And one really important point is that the aura is not just a one-off exercise. The pensions regulator is reviewing the relevant bit of the draft code, but the current suggestion is that trustees complete and document their first aura within a year of the single code coming into force and do the same in each subsequent year. Now, the aura is going to take quite a lot of time to do, so the sooner trustees can start to prepare, the better. So it sounds as though there's lots for trustees to think about. What, what's the risks for trustees if they don't meet these new requirements? Well, trustees could face enforcement action by the pensions regulator, and this could range from a civil penalty for failure to meet a legal requirement to an enforcement or improvement notice for failure to meet the standards set out in the new single code. And this, of course, also brings with it a risk of reputational damage for the trustees, but also by association, the scheme employer. OK, so it sounds like it's really important for trustees to take these new requirements on board. Um, earlier on, you mentioned that it was important um, uh, for an ESOG to be proportionate. What, what, what will that mean in practice? Well, the ESOG is going to include a mix of things. And in some cases, there are underlying legal requirements that must be met. And these are non-negotiable. Trustees have to comply with them. And in other cases, the code will set out the pensions regulator's expectations. And in this case, the trustees need to look at the expectations and decide what is a proportionate way for their scheme to comply with the requirements. And the important thing here will be to keep a record of the decisions taken and the reasons for them. And what sort of things um, can trustees think about when deciding what's proportionate for their particular scheme? Well, the law talks about the ESOC being proportionate to the size, nature, scale and complexity of the scheme's activities. So if you take size, um, this might include things like size of assets and liabilities and number of members. Nature might include things like whether the scheme provides DC, DB or both types of benefit and its contracting out history. And complexity might include things like the complexity of the benefit structure. So have you got a lot of different membership categories or have you got lots of deferred or pensioner members who are entitled to different benefits to the current actives? OK, well, drawing to a close, there sounds like there's a lot for trustees to think about here. Um, what do you think trustees could be doing to prepare now? Well, we've suggested a number of immediate actions in our interactive PDF. And the first thing really is to understand what's changing. So trustees might like to ask for some training about the the new requirements, including on the new aura requirement. 
The next thing might then be helpful to do a gap analysis. So for trustees to look at what policies and procedures they've got in place and compare these to the requirements set out in the new code. And then having done that gap analysis, trustees can start thinking about setting up an ESOG review policy and the other policies and procedures that their gap analysis suggests they need to put into place. And we can help with all of these things. That's great. Thank you, Jennifer. I think that's all for today. Um, thank you for helping me explain these um, complex issues and bringing them to life for our listeners. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in and listening to the podcast. Please do contact me or your usual OC contact if you'd like to know more about the new ESOG requirements. I look forward to speaking to you in the next couple of weeks about the legal issues for trustees and how they should respond to the challenges faced by climate change and other ESG concerns.